Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nerd Talk, Nerd Talk, talking about Nerd Talk, yeah! Welcome to Nerd Talk Plus, our weekly deeper dive into the stories that make this world nerdier. From Odyssey's Nerd Talk, I'm your host, Gregor. Hi there. He's been a managing editor here and I don't know. He's also been in the booth at Lumen Field. <laughs> He's Brandon from the internet. Hello. Uh, I'm a bird dad now. Yeah, bird dad. Uh, I want to know all about Martha, Carla. Oh, Carla, dude. That's the same name. That's yeah, the same. It's name. basically the same name. Carla, Carla is just the is just the Spanish version of Martha. I'm pretty sure. Uh, that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> okay. It's just like the Latin version of whether yeah. it be Italian or I yeah. don't know where. Yeah. Anyway, neither of us is appropriate. <laughs> An engineer, supervillain. Not yet. But if you are, let us know what we get wrong and what we even maybe get right. Now, skip all the review and all that stuff. I want to get straight to the question of the week. Yeah. If you had a chance to interview any entertainment space scientist for this show, who would it be and why is it Neil deGrasse Tyson? Oh, no, you do not. Later this episode, a conversation with Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) I don't even get to I don't even get to do that. You just you don't even get to do that, Brandon. Oh my gosh! That, so how uh, how is this happening? I'm sorry to, to step on your bird story, but um, no, it's this. Ask so, oh, will you ask him about my birds though? Yeah, uh, except for it already happened, and I'm just going to paste the conversation into the end of this episode. So. Sweet, sweet, cool, cool, cool. Next time I interview him, though, I'll be sure to go. Uh, I'll be sure to do that. No, the only reason I ask is because this guy seems to know. Okay, you say he's like an entertainment space scientist, right? Yeah, um, right. but. He also seems to know just a lot about everything, you know. Yeah, like yeah, he's just guy. he's he's basically uh, the Twitter expert, except he actually knows what he's talking about. About oh, so a that's lot why of you things. want birds. Yeah, that's why because it's Twitter. You're gonna go. Oh birds yeah, and tweet. exactly. Yeah, yeah he's I a Twitter that. expert. He's a tweeter. Okay. Expert. Yeah. So we're gonna ask him about. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, they reached out to me because he's coming to town, and they're like, "Would you like to interview Neil deGrasse Tyson?" And like now, and I was like, mm, Ab- "Yes, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah." So I wrote a bunch of questions as fast as I could, and then here we are. You should have said, um, uh, can you get me Bill Nye? Whom? <laughs> Wait, who? Is it not? It's not Professor Brian Cox, then I don't know what to tell you. No. Can, can you get me William Nye? <laughs> of what's that show that used to air on the, the Almost Live? Bill, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyway, Neil deGrasse Tyson, as I told him in the talk that you'll hear here in a minute, I told him that, like, growing up, like, as when I became an adult, he was like the first science person to like break down the walls between dummies and science and be able to actually connect. When I was a kid, there was this guy on Nickelodeon called Mr. Wizard. 
So that was my example. A lot of people watch Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I never did. I never. never. I think Bill Nye was uh, was definitely something I was into as a kid. I'm trying to think of like who was the most famous famous scientist from my childhood would have probably had to be like Bill Nye or Miss Frizzle. I don't know, Miss. Fr- did she drive the magic school, school bus? bus? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I do know then. Oh, actually, um, no. Most famous most famous scientist from my childhood, Jimmy Neutron. Oh. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Uh, also, um, I won't speak to the cartoons, obviously, but Bill Nye, not a scientist. <laughs> so what? What? It, f- phys- f- physicist? Mechanical engineer. Oh, really? Maybe electrical engineer. I don't remember which one. Yeah. But like Boeing guy, effectively. But and, also seems to like know a lot of stuff about. Yeah, he's, and he's everything. good. He's a good entertainer. And yeah, um, yeah. but it's like talking to your dad if he was entertaining. Oh, pff, it's exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> My anyway, dad, who is still trying to convince me at 31 years old <laughs> to go into uh, aircraft engineering because don't they, oh they've got great benefits. It's like dad, I know I'm, I've got a job, man. I've got a career. <laughs> I uh, the same for me. I was in radio, obviously, I still am. And my mother, R.I.P. She constantly was like, "That's nice. So you ready to go back to medical school?" And back to I never went to medical school in the first yeah. place. If I was like, "Have you seen my grades?" Because they're terrible. <laughs> Don't tell Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> also, welcome to the program, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's likely listening to this. So yeah. we really blew it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you know about birds, though? Actually, I would like to have a whale off with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm, I would like to know how much more uh, he knows about whales than I do. I, what if he knows more and that's, you're obsessed with it? That's what I think. Like I, I feel like he could probably just come in and be like, oh, well, did you know? And then just absolutely destroy me with some whale facts. He just starts quoting from Moby Dick, yeah. like pages yeah. on pages, just reading it from memory. The whale Bible, you mean? Um, yeah, excuse me, whale Bible, my yeah. bad. <laughs> um, no, the reason that I am a bird dad now is because I have... <laughs> oh, this? <laughs> yeah. I've got a uh, a robin a, a built a nest on my front porch, and yeah. I've been sharing this saga of uh, this robin's nesting mm-hmm. on Twitter, uh, which now feels very funny now that you made the Twitter joke thing and the yeah. bird thing. Uh, I didn't so get it at first. Lots of tweets. Yeah, lots of tweets. Anyway, uh, about <laughs> two weeks ago, uh, I noticed, or three weeks ago, I noticed this robin building its its nest on my front porch, and I was like, ah, I don't really want to deal with like a wild animal on my front porch and like worrying about getting attacked every time I go in or out of my house. And they're a bit too small to eat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you, those robins, they look like they'd be real good in ramen, though. <laughs> robin, robin. robin. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, now wait, hold on, hold on. I gotta. This is science yeah. for a second, okay? Before we get back to it, like a robin's egg that you found there. If you would have cracked it open at the get go, there would have been a baby in there, right? Yeah, I like, think so. Those are fertilized. Yeah, they are for the sure. Humping fertilized. has occurred. Yeah, yeah. Bird humps. Is that do birds? F- do birds? F- I don't know. Do birds hump? Do Just, birds hump? Question of the week. Do birds hump? <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Birds this, on the subject of birds, do they bone? Well, so this this robin, they beak, they beak, yeah. they beak. That's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, this this robin has four had had uh, four little robin's eggs in Aww. the nest, and I'm glad mm. I didn't get rid of it before. I, I I wasn't gonna like once I saw the eggs, I was like obviously never going to get rid of the nest. Um, yeah. But but before oh, we talked well, about this last episode, yeah, didn't we? yeah. While she was yeah, in the process yeah. of building it, I didn't want yeah. to get rid of it. Um, and That's so good anyway, for me because I've now determined that it's about a two-week incubation time for a bird egg. 
Yeah, so it's about 12 to 14 days is what they say. That's and so here we are dog. at the end of it. And uh, these four little robins are now hatched and living in that nest. Little hatchlings uh, right before they become full-fledglings and start to fall out of the nest. And I have little baby birds trying to avoid getting eaten by my dogs every time I take them out for a walk. <laughs> now, this is a, actually a fun fact that I learned about. Uh, baby birds is have you heard this myth before or have you heard this this said before is that if you see a baby animal in the wild i think it's often said about baby birds is Mm -hmm. if you see a baby bird that's fallen out of its nest yeah yeah, it's like a chicken nugget it's it's a (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh what is it called like pate before it's cooked right (laughs) um the veal of birds yeah bird veal (laughs) Uh, if you see a, um, if you see, have you heard this before? So if you see a baby bird that's fallen out of its nest, don't pick it up because if you get, it's your scent on the bird, then the mom will reject it. Stank. Yeah. Sorry. If you get your stank on the bird, uh, the mom will reject it. Have you heard that before? Sure. I I don't know if it was with birds or like a deer or I don't know. So I... Uh, basically, I think it's. I think that's for sheep. They're just trying to keep like. Never mind. I'm not gonna. Never mind. I'm just. We're just gonna leave that. <laughs> that's for you, Neil. I'm not going there because of you, Neil. Yeah. There's this guy uh, who I know who owns a farm, and he was basically like, "No, birds don't have a strong enough sense of smell. So if you see this baby bird fall out of its nest onto your front porch, just pick it up and put it back. The mom will have no idea. She'll be like, "Oh, that's weird. You've been around another person with cologne on, and like, fi- <laughs> figure it out, and take care of it. Yeah, another person. How many, how many cologne people are dealing with your birds?" <laughs> I get a lot of a lot of uh, mafia men coming in in and out of my house these days. Bird mafia. Bird mafia. We hear you have some robins. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's uh, this Carla is what she's been named by me. Has gotten to the point where like I've been uh, I was out gardening and it's because she poops on my car, uh, so that's why she's called Carla. Uh, okay. I I've been out gardening and while I was you know picking up weeds and stuff, I found a worm and so I've started to try to like leave gifts for the new mother because uh, I wasn't invited to the baby shower. Carla, rude. <laughs> Uh, so I started to leave these worms uh, kind of areas around my around my front porch and she comes down and gets them. And so now when I go in and out of the house, instead of like uh, fluttering as soon as like fluttering away, as soon as she hears us uh, open the door, she sits there and she just kind of watches us and she watches us go in and out. Uh, and I think that she's becoming our friend. And that's until she, you know, until I realize that she's really just keeping an eye on us so we don't snatch up her babies. Uh, she's going to come down and just like start attacking us or something. Another thing that I learned is that after oh, the, the these eggs are hatched, that the male Robin, the father and the mother, Carla and Bert, Bertie, um, who is her husband, and I've determined, uh, will both come back and baby bird feed the birds. So... Uh, it's 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 interesting. I didn't know that that uh, it wasn't like a the birds hump and then the dad's out and then uh, the mama bird has to deal with it. it. It looks like they both take care of it. Well, that is quite something that the birds have over us, I suppose. Then, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's I'm, dive I'm in because we we got to get to our Neil deGrasse Tyson interview. I'll I'll say our because to give you some props there. Thank you. Um, a new law in Texas aims to let you sue private tech companies for censorship. I heard someone compare someone in my family compare Twitter banning radical politicians as worse than what goes on in their native country of Cuba. Oh my god. Only that's the government doing the censorship. These are again private companies. Now, 
a couple things. One, if this continues, no social media business will be able to continue to operate there. And soon Texas and Russia will share the same internet options, which I think is actually kind of the idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they want to be one of the same, I think. So that's weird. Uh, one Redditor, I'm I'm uh, paraphrasing. I couldn't find it when I went back. But one Redditor points out that they can now get back to posting pics on their Christian Mingle dating profile. And in Texas, at least, they can't remove it without being open to a lawsuit. What a time to be alive. It's it's funny because it's the same people who are arguing that we need to be able to sue these private companies because they are restricting your free speech are the same people who would argue that these companies are citizens themselves as far as it comes to political donations and things sure. like that. So uh, they are having their cake and eating it too, it would turn out, that you can sue these. You know, if I was an individual who said, hey, uh, Greg, you can't come Hi. into my house and say all of these terrible things. That's a form of me censoring you, mm. right? Uh, in fact, in, I'm going to ban you from my house, uh, or maybe I'll just shadow ban you, which is everywhere you walk, I'll just uh, make sure that everybody around you is wearing earplugs in my house. So, But if you want, you can give me as much money as you would like because I still recognize that you are a human. Uh, so you would be able to sue me for that, uh, according to this new uh, this new law. Yeah, that it's like they can't like if like some sites I didn't quite understand, but they were talking about how some sites um, could get in trouble if the commenters on the site are saying inappropriate things mm-hmm. and they offer a place for them to say that. Yeah. But then if you remove it, the person saying the inappropriate thing can sue you. So it's like a there's a no win situation. It's both have your cake and eat it too and a no win situation, depending on who you ask. Yeah. And much like the world is pulling social media out of Russia, it's going to they're going to have to reinvent their own things there it's called truth social it's coming to russia i'm sure yeah it's it's what's what's funny to me is that like people like you and i who are handsome awesome handsome amazing awesome both have six packs uh this is an audio medium so you can't tell us otherwise i buy four packs now okay okay uh they uh people like us will try to be critical of social media while still being realistic right like we can look we both are on many of the platforms and we enjoy using them and and honestly oh a lot of the people who are currently listening to this show Mm. right now uh the access uh because of social media correct um now at the same time it's like we can say oh look at you're right some of these things that social media giants do are bad like but this is a wild wild west of technology like that we're still creating and we have people who didn't have cell phones until they were 40 making laws about how we use technology yeah and then having someone come over and explain to them how to see if they're blocked or not right (laughs) right Uh, i'm being censored Five thousand retweets (laughs) unrelated question do you feel like an adult Oh, dude! Or do you feel like a a child with responsibility? Uh, I I up until recently I felt like a child who uh, has been thrown into responsibility. But today, so yesterday, I was talking about all of the weeding and yard work I was doing. Uh, today, yeah. I woke up with the worst backache I've had in probably my <laughs> entire life, and so now I feel properly like an adult. You know, I always default to just being an idiot because yeah. I feel like any kind of nervous anxiety just gets in the way of actually thinking I'm a proper adult. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm in my 40s. <laughs> I don't know like when I'm supposed to be expected to feel like I'm actually of age, but yeah. I think I'm starting to get there, Brandon. I think I'm. I think I'm starting to get uh, there. Congrats on your first cell phone. 
for those of us that aren't, a candle company called Wick and Skull has partnered with and introducing a new line of sense around the wildly popular murder game, Call of Duty. <laughs> I don't, I can't explain it. Like, what does it smell like? Puberty and gun oil? I don't <laughs> use the gun oil for the, okay? No, no, no. <laughs> but I got to clean and my also, shaft. <laughs> there it is. Also, if you're like, hey, lots of grown men play Call of Duty. Then fine, maybe there's a scent that's gun oil and resentment of your wife slash spouse. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I this one smells like an AK-47. Has it been fired or not? And yeah. is there a silencer? And does that actually exist? Yeah. Because I, I just I need to know all of these things. Go shoot your gun that you found in the wall when you were remodeling your basement, and then try and figure out how to make that into a fragrance that is also oh, pleasant. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I, this is like one step away from basically having like Call of Duty flavored LaCroix. Which oh, is, it's, I'm sure it's coming. It's got to be. It's got to be next, right? Yeah, I didn't get to one of the stories that I wanted to talk about today, which is that this is for this specific podcast, which was, um, you know, the, we're very interested in the combinations of like Call of Duty and candles and sure, yeah. whatever ramen flavored. Robin Robin. Robin Robin. Robin Robin. Robin Robin, Robin yeah. yeah. But then... Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Cup Noodle, the thing that I now know how to say correctly, are have come out with like a makeup set, what? so people can do their makeup like Cup Noodle. I, I didn't get to it, like I said, but I was certainly very interested in learning more. Maybe so. it's like you just uh, put a little bit of the the powder from the Cup Noodle on your face, and then you stick your face in a microwave <laughs> for ninety seconds, and then you're trying to eat it, and your roof of your mouth is burned. Right. A collection of space agency veterans are launching their own astronaut university. I, sort of. It's like a private academy for learning the ropes of becoming a space person in hopes that you'll be able to join the generation of humans and the commercial space fleets that are coming and start to populate the heavens and other worlds around Earth. Now, unless, of course, the program doesn't work out or we destroy ourselves on the way there and you end up with a hundred thousand dollars in debt and no job like almost everyone i know went to college <laughs> in the last 10 years <laughs> um i saw someone in the comment section on the reddit post here say that maybe elon could make a deferment program where you can mine space rocks like phobos the moon of mars for whatever they, they have there so you can build moon teslas or something like that <laughs> it's gonna be like uh it's gonna be like indentured servitude basically yeah that's like, yeah Maybe you can help us come build a space soccer stadium. Yeah, the, uh, this is this is interesting because I feel like what we are uh, technology, as we know, moves so quickly these days that often what we are trying to train people who are in school to do is to do jobs that don't exist yet. Right? Mm. Like I feel if you. Uh, Part of me thinks that going. How do you make the artificial intelligence <laughs> you off? That's exactly. The, the, exactly. Get working on it, people. Yeah, please, <laughs> please. No, the um, this idea that like you're going to like we don't we haven't colonized anything outside of our own uh, planet yet. So like at this point, you would be training, you would be paying however many you know hundreds of thousands of dollars for a degree or a certificate or whatever you end up with. Uh, to walk out to a potential, you know, how long is this program? Is it 10 years? Are we going to be on the moon and, you know, creating a base at some point? Or are we going to be on Mars at that point? Uh, like, are you going to walk out with a bunch of debt and no job? And they're going to be like, oh, well, you can go work at, I don't know, Space World at Disneyland. <laughs> space Bucks. The Starbucks inside of the Space World. <laughs> yeah. And hey, good for Starbucks. They give you benefits, right? If you work there for a certain amount of time and not very long. Yeah. Yeah, I 
I love the idea of embracing the idea that space is going to happen. Yeah. But I also know that we are on like the precipice of destroying ourselves. And so. Yeah. Doesn't it kind of seem like uh, it's like if you build it, they will come kind of situation where it's like if. We yeah. Build... You're talking about the <laughs> off AI. <laughs> yeah. If you build it. <laughs> Oh, there's, yeah. Well, I more so toward if you build this university, well, at that point, it'll be so much of a sunk cost that we have to send these people to space. We have nowhere <laughs> to send them, so we just might as well send them deep into space. How long until the moon becomes like the Australia of modern times? Like it becomes the prison colony and the... Yeah. And the, like, oh, there's a, whole new, uh, there's a whole new movie called The Rock that you could do then. Oh, this yeah. is so good. Now, assuming you're not afraid of water, who wants to rent a battery-powered party sub? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I could be. Um, I don't know if I could be talked into this. It can hold more than a hundred people, with battery power lasting long enough for an overnight adventure. Twenty-four hours is what they're saying you'll get. The inside spans sixteen hundred square feet, with fourteen massive. Uh, home style windows inside together with exterior lights to light up the ocean a 64 place uh, restaurant and a potential gym so you can get your pump on 1600 square feet for all of that that is little yeah that's i have a 1700 square foot house that feels little and there's three of us yeah i mean privilege but yeah also um cancel the gym also because all of the butt sweat is not going to make that place smell great yeah i mean you're in an enclosed tube underwater it's not like you're venting that out very well uh someone pointed out they were like hey, of course modern batteries never tend to just randomly catch on fire either i'm like dude you're <laughs> underwater in the ocean you'll be fine the water will There's put it water out. everywhere idiot of course, the go-to was the Mile Low Club that you could join. You and it kind of like then led me to believe that like if you've got 120 people in 1,600 square feet, you're just making orgy pornos. Like that's all that's yeah. going on here. So like who's who who pilots this thing? It's like uh, so in in Lake Union in Seattle, they have these hot tub boats, right? Check the whale Bible. <laughs> Check the it's Moby. Oh, it's Moby Dick and his AI <laughs> off machine. It, so like who who gets to it's because it's like at these hot tub boats in Lake Union right like you just like rent it out you don't have to have any experience boating and Lake Union during the summer can just get absolutely jam packed so you have all of these boats out on this lake and then you just have four guys who decided to you know pay the hundred bucks or whatever it is to rent this thing out for an hour putzing around you know having the potential to like cause a at sea catastrophe <laughs> so like <laughs> then you have a 1600 square foot uh with 14 massive window submarine <laughs> underwater uh and just like be like hey brandon decided that he could you know he's the most least drunk out of all of us like let this guy pilot the thing underwater what if it comes with lsd are you in then yeah 100 yeah he's the least drunk but most psyched out right now <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon. Well, the time has come. Thank you for um, for even going this far with us to get to the point. But we are ready to switch gears and talk to one Neil deGrasse Tyson with a performance tonight in Seattle at the Paramount Theater, 7.30, I believe. It might be 7. I don't have it in front of me. But it's this evening at the Paramount Theater. Tomorrow night, Schnitzer Hall in Portland. A chance to check out this dude and 
Maybe this will be the thing that sells you on getting out there and buying a ticket and going because, my God, is he the coolest. Neil, what you know about birds, though? Nerd talk, nerd talk, talking about nerd talk, yeah! All right, what a fantastic day for a special edition of this morning's Nerd Talk to be joined by world-renowned American astrophysicist, planetary scientist, author, podcaster, science communicator. He's Neil deGrasse Tyson. Good morning. I, I love that, like, the word nerd is in your segment. <laughs> it's an evening with Neil deGrasse Tyson at the Seattle's Paramount Theater tonight at 7.30 as he discusses the cosmic perspective, something we'll get to here in a second. But just to share a little bit, like, you were the first, I guess, person in my adult life to take the challenge of, like, making science accessible to mass consumers and just nailing it. Just something that we could all be like, oh, yeah, 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 this, give us more of that. Because um, we, we've all had science teachers that didn't get that, right? And they, they had Thank to deal with you. it. I, I take that as a very high compliment. Um, now, of course, science teachers have the burden of needing to teach a syllabus, and I don't. <laughs> I can cherry pick all the coolest, wackiest, most interesting, mind-blowing, mind-bending science and deliver that to you the teacher still has to you know stick to the lesson plan in the textbook so so it's not an entirely fair comparison but i'm delighted to be at the doorstep of science where people who who don't know that they like science or haven't figured it out yet or especially those who are sure they don't like science (laughs) um if i can reignite this ember of curiosity that's long gone dormant from childhood then we're halfway there because then you have a curiosity that you can then bring to new topics and new n- new stories. There was, you know, um, a, a couple of days ago, there was a total lunar eclipse. Were you paying attention? Did you even know to pay attention, for example? And everyone on the side of the earth facing the moon can see that, all right? It's not just you have to be in one place or at one time. That's like a half the earth is participating in that. And so, so when you're curious about the world, it changes your life. You become a lifelong learner. And... So be, thank you for the compliment, but sure. I, I, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I, I still have to sort of um, keep the teaching ranks stoked with whoever, what they're doing, just kind of hang with it. And you hope that at the end, you have more, a little bit more curiosity than when you started. Maybe if we had paid admission to the classes that these teachers <laughs> were doing every day, it'd be a little different. I don't know. I've always been curious is like, there's not many people in your field profession or professionally entertaining like you are. Is, is there like competitiveness amongst your fellow entertainers that do similar things to you? Or are you kind of a shared group that are excited for one another? So I, that's not how I think about it. I mean, I understand the question, but mm-hmm. the way I think about it is if I'm doing something that no one else can do, I'll do it. If I'm doing something that everyone else can do, let them do it and I'll find something else to do. And that way the landscape is properly, it's populated by, by expertise that each can uh, resonate in its own um, space, if you will. So, so I have this fantasy where, you know, a few years down the line, many more people are doing just what I'm doing out there. And then I slowly back out, <laughs> exit the back door and just go to the Bahamas. And then you don't even know I'm missing because it became a, 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 an expected and fundamental part of what people recognize is on uh, either on the internet or in social media or in the theaters, and then I'll, I'll just be there. Find me at the beach. <laughs> Did you have a Neil deGrasse Tyson that you 
watched for entertainment as you were growing up? Was there someone who did that for you? That's a great question. I think what's behind that is where they're role models. And mm. I have an unorthodox view of role models, right? So for me, I, I knew enough as a kid. No, I'm not going to role model to anybody because, you know, suppose they do something stupid or they do, you know, I don't want to be them, but if they have a talent, then I want to extract that slice of talent and emulate that. So I had educator role models who had such a brilliant turn of phrase and every next statement they spoke, I was hanging on the significance and the, and the depth and the insights that it would bring to me. I said, if this is while I'm middle school, I'm think I'm actively thinking this to myself. And I said, if I'm ever an educator, that's the kind of educator I want to be. And then I met scientists who just had such an expertise of the universe. And I said, wow, I'll never learn that much there. I'm 14, right? So, and they spent, you know, eight years in college and graduate school. So I, I don't have a sense of the timing of what that requires yet. But I say to myself, if I'm ever a full up grown scientist, that's the kind of command I wanted. And my parents formed a an excellent sort of a moral compass in terms of how to think about others and sort of a progressive outlook on the world. Um, and so, so I assembled my role models a la carte. That's how I would put it. That's great. Then you're not one dimensional. You have more <laughs> options. Okay. Like, that's good. That's good. Okay. So, so if we all want just, this is a nerd podcast. If we're all one dimensional, we would just be a line. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad I'm not a line. All right. And, and, nor am I two dimensional because that would just be flat. All right. You turn sideways and you would disappear. So I'm like to think I'm at least three dimensional, but really I, I want to be four dimensional. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, now, the idea of the cosmic perspective, I've, I've always thought about it since I was a kid and I read uh, the late Alan Watts and he was talking about the Earth and like from the perspective of a potential alien passing by like a billion years ago and sort of an analogy towards like a, an apple tree or a fruiting tree that maybe when they flew by a billion years ago, they just found a rock covered in some water and said, mm, okay, that's interesting. And then when they came back a billion years later, they found that the tree was flowering and the tree, the apple tree was appling and now the earth is maybe peopling. So, I've always thought of it in the context of like our smallness amongst the galaxy, but I don't actually know what you're getting at with cosmic perspective. I don't think I could do it justice like the guy who's going to be giving the actual talk. So can you give us the gist of it, please? You're off on a roll there, though. I <laughs> said that was you. That's a good start. So yeah, the cosmic perspective is whatever you think is going on on Earth or how, you, how it affects you, it will affect you differently if you look at it from a cosmic perspective. The cosmic perspective, it goes beyond even the overview effect that people might have heard about that astronauts get, whereas they orbit Earth and you don't see the borders of countries and, and you, you know, Earth is, um, is simplified in a, in a sense, but you can go even farther away and that's where you take in the orb and you see that it's just suspended there in darkness and all by itself with no hope of any thing coming to save us from ourselves. And then you realize the, the task is really up to us. This is a point that Carl Sagan makes in his Pale Blue Dot book, where he waxes poetic, political, and scientific on the significance of seeing Earth from a distance, a frail, fragile place. And uh, for me, my, my favorite way to think about it is from space, what is Earth? You'll see oceans, you'll see land, and you'll see clouds. You won't see the color-coded globe 
that we're all trained on. And then you ask, why are we trained on a color-coded globe? Oh, that's so you know who your enemies are and who your friends, just think about just how warped. This is, this is what an alien would look like. Hey, why did you color code this? This is just one landmass. Oh, oh, if you cross that border, oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll put you in prison or we'll kill you. Or if you, you know, just, just, it's kind of embarrassing actually how you'd have to explain all that to an alien. And so, so uh, when in doubt, what, what would an alien think of what you're doing? <laughs> that's a, that's, that's the foundation of all cosmic <laughs> perspectives, I would say. So, so the talk is a, it's a celebration of what we've come to learn about the universe, give us, give us some, give us a shout out for that, just as a species. But also, so much of what we learned tells us how small we are. So, if you have a fragile ego, the cosmic perspective is going to, going to put you through through some work there, to recognize that yeah, okay, yes, we are small in time, in space, in in frailty. All yes, it's all true. However. The atoms of our bodies are traceable to stars that lived billions of years ago that exploded and scattered that enrichment into newly forming star systems of which we are one. So it's not that we're in the universe, which of course we are, but that's not the way to think about it. It's not that we're here and the universe is there. It's that our molecules are traceable to the universe. So yes, we're alive in the universe, but more important, the universe is alive within us. That's so much more emotional. That's not that's not heady physics things that you're speaking oh, well, of. I'm just trying to tell it like it is. Yeah. Not everything is a formula. Some things are our understandings of what formulas bring. So those are that's where the perspective comes. And uh, yeah, I'm, I am sifting science especially the astrophysical science and finding the things that ideally would would enhance change but be more specific about that enhance your understanding of ourselves relative to each other and especially ourselves relative to the universe so uh, i mean just think about it you, you can sit in a college class and listen to a lecture you're supposed to take notes and you might be given a, a test on that but occasionally, someone might give a speech. Well, if somebody's giving a speech, are you taking notes? No, they're giving a speech. Well, what's the point of a speech then? Oh, it's to, it's to shift your mood. It's to create a different sense of the world at the end of the speech that you didn't have before the speech. And what I'm doing on stage with full visuals and video and, 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 and all of my psycho-emotional energy, I'm delivering to you an understanding of the universe brought to you by the methods and tools of science sifted through the lens of an astrophysicist. And it's my goal that by the end of the night, you're going to be different, not physically different, but emotionally different, <laughs> sure. intellectually different. And if so, then I have succeeded. You've succeeded already. Just in this talk. So congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> Neil deGrasse. Nobody has to come. Just stay home. <laughs> Save your money. No, but it's weird that this is, these are in theaters, right? You're not coming to a lecture hall. Right. Um, I, I'm in a theater and I don't take that lightly. These are theaters that you would go to see comedians or, or concerts or plays or musicals. These are real theaters. And I don't take it lightly when I'm invited by a city to bring science into a theater. It, it's 
it's a reminder to me that at least some people recognize the value of mainstreaming science. Okay, science is not just this thing somebody's talking about and you walk by them because you're done and you want to move on with your life. Science is all around us. Science is everywhere. It infuses everything. And in fact, it infuses decisions we make about the future of civilization. And when scientists look at people arguing politically over a scientifically established objective truth, that is a sad day on earth. That is the unraveling of an informed democracy. Because if you're arguing about things that are established science, but you don't like the results of the established science, and so therefore you want, it's, you know, it's like, it's like uh, you gained a few pounds this week. So next week, you're going to protest the laws of gravity because they, they, they did not fulfill your wishes about how you want the world to be. That's what well, it kind of um, looks like. <laughs> I, I hear you loud and clear there. Okay. A couple quick questions to wrap up here. From your perspective, from your position, what's going to bring our demise? Is it going to be humans or like a big rock smushing us from? But it's pretty space? clear zombies. It's okay. pretty clear. Just add that to my notes here. Good, good, good. Uh, um, no, actually, um, zombies, as 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 sci-fi as they are, uh, they're quite fertile as a sci-fi concept, as you surely know. Yeah. Um, but consider, let's take a step back for a moment and ask, what's going on in a zombie world? Well, there are people who used to run the power plant who've become zombies. Now they're not running the power plant. So what happens? You run out of power. There are people in the supply chain of goods and services who got zombified. Now they're not driving the trucks. They're not delivering goods and services. And so slowly, everything that you valued about civilization dismantles. That's kind of what happened in early COVID. Wait a second. This feels familiar to me. This is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) There's their allegorical lessons to the zombie apocalypse, where if we, if people, you know, uh, if there's some killer virus and it slowly starts to take, taking out sectors of society, slow, eventually all of civilization stalls. And then we, it becomes, you know, a, a free for all at that point. Okay. People set up their own fiefdoms and, and, you know, we are a hair's width from savagery. I mean, just think about it. What, what is civilization? This is another cosmic perspective. What is civilization? If not, the rules we have set up for ourselves so that we don't slaughter everybody every day out of tribal anger. I mean, just think of, think of the tribalism that arises even when it doesn't have to, all right? You, you know, it happens even on levels. When you go to a sporting event, sure, the people cheering for one team and cheering for, why? Because they happen to play in your hometown. Did the players come from your hometown? No, they got traded out of 12 other places. But they're my home team and we're going to fight and we're going to argue. Okay, no one dies from that, of course. But that's just a microcosm of, the, of how swiftly we will oppose other people for any reason at all that's judged to be different and without civilization to keep that in check oh my gosh it's a it's a free-for-all you might as well just all move back to the cave because that's where we're headed exciting zombies okay (laughs) (laughs) oh by the way i i i just wrote a book it's not out yet so don't look for it yet it's not until september but it's titled starry messenger 
cosmic perspectives on civilization. So there are topics in there, uh, gender and identity, color and race, law and order, life and death, risk and reward. Um, all of these topics are addressed in there from cosmic perspectives in a scientifically literate way. And so I'm finally getting it all in one place. You're getting snippets of it in these, in these presentations. Real quick, I'm sorry if you got to go. I totally understand, but um, this one's easy. I'm looking over your shoulder. I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite planet? And I would uh, hope beyond Earth. Favorite planet beyond Earth. Yeah, yeah. good, because Earth is my favorite planet. After that, there's no question about it, be Saturn. Stunning with its ring system and it's, there's just no, in fact, in my talk, I'm going to be giving some fascinating, very high res views of Saturn that just, you have to gasp when you see them. Views taken by satellites that were sent, you know, a billion miles away to take these images. Uh, you know, it's weird, NASA and the scientific community and rocket scientists and the whole, you know, we can send spacecraft to planets, we can photograph the black holes in the centers of galaxies. And then we say, you know, oh, um, this vaccine will help you. No, it won't. I <laughs> <laughs> it's Dude, infinitely I just sent a spacecraft to freaking Saturn. Okay. <laughs> There was nothing more indicative of that than the last NASA administrator who came in and was like, I don't believe in climate change, and then sat down with the with the nerds, and they were like, here's all the evidence. And he's like, oh, yeah, actually, you're, yeah, you're right. So, I'm interesting you remember that. That was, I forgot his name. Um, Bridensworth. Yeah. Uh, Bri yeah, Bridenstine. Bridenstine, yep. yeah. So th that means he was open to reason. Yeah, I, you can't hit someone over the head just for thinking something crazy or, or unsubstantiated if they have not been exposed to data. Uh, and 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 so but if you have and you still don't then where where is that coming from what 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 happened what's missing in your school's education to not know what it means to understand data and what data show and 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 so yeah i don't really blame people i blame there's some gaps in the school system people want to talk, re teach reading writing and arithmetic well one of them should be also teach reason Okay, add another R, the four R's, reading, <laughs> writing, arithmetic, arithmetic, arithmetic. And, <laughs> and reason. <laughs> and if you don't know how to reason, you can't, I don't see how you can function in a world where being able to reason will make the difference between a civilization that works and a civilization that doesn't. Blank check, which planet are you sending a probe to to find out more? Oh, I see, you're, you're, you're thinking small. You're saying, oh, let's do what's the next thing? And I'm saying, turn, dude, turn the whole solar system into our backyard. Explore it all. Yeah. Oh, don't, yeah. Don't, don't, don't just sequence it. Oh, you want to go to the moon first or Mars? Go to both. You want to go to the comet or an asteroid? Go to both. Yeah. All right. Get a warehouse of all different kinds of rockets. And then you just knock on the door. Where do you want to go today, Sonny? <laughs> oh, I want to explore life on the, on the uh, backside of mars oh that's this rocket strapped to this rocket this and boom there you go and how about you ma'am okay i'd like to do uh i, I want to set up a new i want to go mining on asteroids well here we got this it'll get you to an asteroid and this one is gold rich this is uh water rich by the way water in space is highly valuable because it can keep you alive the way gold can't <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'm looking at gold and water and you're saying choose the gold and i'm saying i'm in space uh, you know, if you don't drink water for like a week, you're basically dead. So um, just 
I feel like California is California is about to find out the same exact lesson. Where <laughs> that water is going about to become more valuable than gold. So. You're going to want to know how to lasso a comet, okay, <laughs> to get through to the future as your water table um, uh, uh, gets sucked dry. It's an evening with Neil deGrasse Tyson tonight at the Paramount Theater, seven thirty. Neil, thanks so much for taking the time to get us all hyped up about it. Excellent, and I, I'll be there, ready for you. I would have said Neptune if I had the blank check. I want to know more about Triton, but that's just me. That's very specific. <laughs> I've got a four-year-old who's obsessed with The Planets, a BBC show by Professor Brian Cox. And yes, we yes. watch it, and he like can't get enough Neptune. And I'm like, yeah, let's go, man. <laughs> like Whatever whatever it takes. Wow. So. Okay, well, that's good. That's, that's very specific, but good. <laughs> I like it. Anyway, thanks so much for your time, man. All right. Take care. Nerd talk, nerd talk, talking about nerd talk, yeah! Okay, Brandon, you didn't get to hear it, but what'd you think? <laughs> wow, that was in some insightful science, and um, I was space. There was sorely, lots of space. Sorely cool. disappointed by uh, his lack of bird and whale knowledge. <laughs> I wish I had my um, questions in front of me. The questions that I didn't get to ask are better than the ones I did. I think so. Time he, he, he the the time ran short, and he was like, "We ran long," and I was like, "I'm so sorry." You don't even know how many questions I didn't get to for how fast I have the turnaround this was. Like who would win in a fight, Orca versus Humpback. <laughs> what was that? Also, do birds humpback? <laughs> do they bareback humpback or do they beak it? <laughs> they beak it. Join us next week on an all new nerd talk that can never compete with what we've just done here. There's just no there's don't you know what? Don't even join us next week. It's fine. <laughs> it's Bill Nye. <laughs> the mechanical engineering guy. <laughs> Bill Nye, the mechanical engineering guy. We're gonna get Bill, Bill, Bill. <laughs> We're gonna get uh like a Bill Nye impersonator. It's gonna be William Ny- Nyquist. <laughs> <laughs> William Nyquil, he talks very slowly. Very, very slowly. Hi. I'm William Nyquist. <laughs> William Nye. Let's talk about Mushrooms. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.